Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. We want this to be something that we ourselves find value in and want to listen to. I'm your host, Mark Mosier. Alongside me is co-host David Morrow. Each episode, we explore leadership, culture, brands, and interview leading business professionals and civic leaders. We also play brand culture trivia against our guests to make the experience entertaining and fun. So come join us and enjoy. And please don't forget to download the episodes and leave us a review. Thanks. Let's begin. Hey, welcome, everybody. This is David Morrow along with Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? Doing wonderful, David. Great. Well, I'm very excited. We are set for the kickoff right now, right here, right now, live for the Female Leadership Summit on Brandology Podcast. David, we've got some really great lineup on these panelists. I'm telling you, this is going to be some powerful stuff. Everybody's going to want to tune in. There's more than one episode because we've got so many great guests. You've got to be a part of this. Get with it now. Here comes the keynote speaker. Yep. So we'd like to welcome our keynote speaker, Dr. Rosie Ward, who's going to present on leadership, culture, and leaning in. Let's begin. Hi, my name is Rosie Ward, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Salveo Partners. We are a consulting and professional development firm whose purpose is to rehumanize the workplace so that people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. And I'm super excited to be with all of you for this event and sharing something that I am so, so passionate about. And that is leveraging five key rehumanizing principles so that you can show up as a leader in all areas of your life. And so as we begin, I wanna set some context because I'm a firm believer that when we are able to put language to what we're experiencing and to name it and make it a little bit more tangible, it helps us understand process and find a path forward. And that language comes with the acronym VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And this acronym has been around for several decades and more widely used in recent years in business and leadership literature. And it really describes our world. We are living and working in a world where disruption is the new norm. And this was pre-2020 where we found ourselves with toilet paper shortages and we found ourselves with playgrounds being closed and not knowing what to do with our kids and wildfires raging everywhere. And if you're like me and you're a parent and are trying to deal with distance learning, there's a whole other set of challenges that went with that. And I don't know about you, but I felt like every moment of 2020 was a bad 90s infomercial where this guy was going to say, but wait, there's more. It just kept coming and it just kept coming. And we were binge watching old movies and having a new lens of, wow, they could do that. And just a whole different experience that went with it. And what 2020 really showed us was VUCA to the extreme. And every moment of every day, we had to pivot we had to adapt, we had to shift our mindset, and it brought a lot of uncertainty, unsettling discomfort. And I think why this matters so much is that what the world is demanding of us in these VUCA and VUCA extreme times is counter to the DNA of what it means to be human, counter to the DNA of how we're hardwired to seek out familiarity, to seek out comfort. And I think we saw this happening in so many of the challenges that showed up in 2020 and beyond. And so I think the late, great Peter Drucker put it really well when he said the greatest danger in times of turbulence is to act with yesterday's logic. 
we have to show up differently if we're going to survive. And so this means we have to also rethink what it means to be a leader. I would be willing to bet that every single one of us can think about people who have a title, uh, authority, position, and they are in no way, shape or form a leader. And we know people who don't have the title or the authority or the power, but they are very much leaders. And so we define leadership fundamentally differently and that it's about us maximizing our positive impact on the world by doing two things. One, becoming our best fully authentic selves. And as we do that, supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness. In other words, leadership is a behavior, not a title or a role. And I think in these VUCA extreme times, we have learned that we need everybody to show up as a leader. And when we think about that, when we show up as a leader, it means that we are choosing to enter what Dr. Brene Brown refers to as the arena. The arena is a metaphor for those moments or experience in our lives that can be really small and tiny or really big, but it's where we are choosing to share our ideas, our feelings, our feedback, our work, whatever that might be where we can't control the outcome, where we might be subject to criticism, to judgment, to who knows what. And when we step into that arena and speak up, it might be asking for help. It might be saying, I don't know the answer. It might be giving difficult feedback. It might be sharing a contrary opinion. The list goes on and on. When we do that, we are vulnerable. And I don't know about you, but I grew up believing vulnerability was weakness, but that's not really what it is. Vulnerability is the emotions we experience when we are faced with uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So I want you to think about that for a second. And I invite you to think of one example of courage that didn't involve uncertainty, risk, or emotional exposure. My guess is you can't do it because the reality is there is no courage without vulnerability. And when we step into the arena, we are stepping in and leaning in to vulnerability. It means that we are not tapping out when things get cringy. We are not tapping out when things get uncomfortable. We're not reverting back to what we've always done because it seems quote unquote easier. And so I love this quote from Theodore Roosevelt that really speaks to our need to show up as leaders, to show up as brave and courageous leaders. It's not the critic who counts, not the man or woman who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails daring greatly. We cannot sit back and wait for people, quote unquote, more qualified to fix problems in this world. We cannot sit back and not share ourselves, share ideas, speak up. We need to step into that arena. We need to dare greatly. However, here's the predicament. Imagine you're at the entry, right, about to step into that arena. What do you experience? When we are faced with vulnerability, the vulnerability that comes with entering the arena, we experience shame. Shame is the emotion in around two voices. The first is, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough, smart enough, tall enough, thin enough, informed enough, whatever. And then the other voice is, who the heck do you think you are? And it's a universal emotion that we all experience. 
scarcity. Who am I to share it? There's somebody else who said this, or there's not enough to go around or whatever it might be. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough this. There's not enough that. Fear, anxiety, and a whole host of uncertainty, which VUCA triggers in us. Here's the thing is that yes, those come with vulnerability, but you know what also comes with vulnerability? Something else. But what we do when we're faced with these is we armor up. We put on invisible armor that helps us feel safe, that keeps us protected from feeling shame, scarcity, etc. But it comes at a great cost. It keeps us disconnected. It keeps us from being fully seen and known. It keeps us from being our fully best authentic selves. Let me give you an example. Here's me. I'm the youngest of five girls. And my oldest two sisters, Barb and Beth, are much older than me. So for most of my growing up, it was really me and my sister Phaedra and my sister Phoebe. They were about 18 months apart in age, several years older than me. And being the youngest of five, you get a lot of hand-me-downs. I come from a very high overachieving family, right? Everybody has multiple degrees, everyone's in honors, etc. Here's the thing is that whether we had a happy childhood or a dysfunctional traumatic childhood, our brains, as we're trying to figure out the world around us, it's all about belonging and acceptance. And we start to create a narrative and filters and meaning from our experiences where we didn't feel like we belonged or we didn't feel like we were lovable enough or whatever it might be. This is where that not enoughness starts. And for me, I would get yelled at if I didn't do something right. Not uncommon for kids, but I created a narrative and a script that I wasn't lovable. If I wasn't perfect, I wasn't lovable. And I started thinking if I could overachieve and be the best at everything that I did, that somehow I would feel enough, I would feel lovable. And it's exhausting. Here's the thing, it makes you successful for a while, right? I can get a lot of things done, a lot of accomplishments, but when you're hiding and you're feeling not enough and you're armoring up, you feel like an imposter, you feel like someone's gonna find you out. And I coach so many people that this is their reality. This is a universal human experience. And so when I'm in that mode, when I armor up, I get into full-blown, pain-in-the-ass, hyper-productive, get-shit-done mode. I also get into independence on overdrive mode. Heck, if I'm going to ask for help or let anybody help me, right? And it comes at a cost because it keeps me disconnected from people. I overload myself, then I don't have to feel it's not effective. But you know what, if I can lean into that discomfort of, ooh, I'm feeling overwhelmed or, ooh, I might have to ask for help. If I can let myself be vulnerable, guess what's also available when we're vulnerable? Love, belonging, and joy are the birthplace of vulnerability, as well as all of these other things that we need. We need courage. We need to be able to give feedback. We need to be able to have hard conversations and solve problems and be adaptable. All these things are VUCA world demands. So how do we reconcile this need that our world is asking of us to do these things, yet the human condition that doesn't want to do it. This gets us to what I call the armor antidote. How do we show up as a courageous leader and reconcile this discrepancy of our innate DNA to self-protect and the world needing us to not do that? And that's these five rehumanizing principles. The first is build a lighthouse. Think about what does a lighthouse do? It cuts through the fog. It tells ships in darkness and stormy waters where to go. It provides a sense of calm of, I know I'm headed in the right direction. I know there's safety ahead. So what a build a lighthouse principle looks like for an organization is clarity of purpose beyond making profit. What are you about? What do you believe in? People wanna believe in what you believe, a very clear purpose. 
our purpose, rehumanize the workplace so people can bring their best selves to work and home each day. And it allows us to look at what products and services and events and things can we do that nurture that purpose. It gives us a filter for making decisions and what to say yes to and what to say no to. On an individual level, what is your purpose when you are showing up as your best fully authentic self? What's the contribution you're making to the lives of others and what's the impact of that? For me, my purpose is to foster moments of insight for people so they can break past barriers and become the best version of themselves and make a positive impact. This is one way to do that. If you get any nugget out of this, I'm serving my purpose. But there's another thing that goes with that lighthouse. We have to also anchor ourselves in our core values and not just words on a wall or nice ideas, but we actually practice them by operationalizing them into clear behavioral anchors. How do we need to behave on an organizational level and on an individual level? What behaviors are aligned with our values and what are out of alignment so that we have guideposts for how to show up. There's a great exercise on the Dare to Lead Hub and in the Dare to Lead book from Brene Brown that I've used. And I will tell you, I literally have my core values hanging right here that I anchor myself in when I am entering into arena moments, when I'm going to have difficult conversations, when I want to start my day and set an intention. And I've learned it's less about the words that I've chosen for my values and more about the behaviors that I've defined of how do I know when I'm in alignment with my values? And how do I know when I'm out of alignment? And these serve as guideposts to kind of help put me back in check and say, okay, Rosie, how do you want to show up here? Super, super valuable. In the chaotic world around us, these ground you. These help you find that calm in the midst of the VUCA storms and say, I can find a path forward and I take my values with me when I enter into the arena. Rehumanizing principle number two is create fearless environments. This is all about psychological safety, right? We have to feel safe to enter in that arena, to speak up, to show up. And one of the ways that we can do this pretty quickly is to be aware of and shift our mindset that gets in our way that is the antithesis of fearless environments. An inward mindset is when our vantage point is all about us, me, my family, my well-being, my neighborhood, my team, my customer, fill in the blank. And our vantage point is all about how all of these stakeholders around us impact our ability to meet our needs, our objectives, and our challenges. It's a very myopic viewpoint. And when I'm operating from an inward mindset, I actually stop seeing other people as people. And I see them as vehicles if they can help me, obstacles that need to be removed if I think they're going to get in my way, or if they're inconsequential, they're irrelevant. And you saw this all over the place and still see in our society today, whether it is getting upset about schools being open or closed or wearing a mask or not, or the list goes on and on. And it's all about me. This is an inconvenience for me or my family or my kids or my work life, rather than looking at what other people need. And so when we're operating from that inward mindset, we forget that other people have stuff going on, that they have their own needs, objectives, and challenges. We don't consider it. We don't care about it. We end up siloed, disconnected. An inward mindset makes things harder, and it does not contribute to a fearless environment. Instead, what we can do is turn our vantage point outward, showing up as a leader by getting curious about our impact on others. Am I the positive impact I want to have on you? Or am I having a negative impact and need to course correct? 
And so I do that by seeing you as a human being, by getting curious about your needs, your objectives, your challenges. And then I look at how I could adjust my efforts to be more helpful to you. And then I measure my impact. Did it work? Do I need to shift gears? Imagine if we all did this, right? Or imagine if you were in a meeting or having a conversation with a family member or friend who was getting really judgmental or upset about another group and you invited them to consider the needs, objectives, and challenges of the other stakeholder, the other person, the other group. We can call ourselves and others to greatness and create this psychologically safe environment by embracing more of that outward mindset than an inward mindset. That brings us into rehumanizing principle number three, weight in the messy middle. I would love to tell you that there is a fast forward button to human development and that we can just skip past the icky stuff. We can skip past the cringiness. Doesn't work. The reality is, is that if we are going to thrive in our lives and show up as a leader, we have to embrace the discomfort. There are two games of leadership, the inner game and the outer game. The inner game is our belief system, the narratives we tell ourselves, the filters that we have, our level of emotional intelligence, our identity, the list goes on and on. The outer game are our skills, competencies, behaviors. The outer game matters, absolutely. But you know what? Our inner game runs our outer game. And so if we spend all of our time trying to develop new skills and get better at knowledge, et cetera, we wonder why it doesn't work. We have to do work to tend to our inner game. We have to wait in the messy middle to do the deeply uncomfortable work to be self-aware, shift our self-limiting narratives, understand when we start to armor up, know how to show up differently. And that doesn't happen overnight. And you know what? It's also really hard to do this if we don't have a fearless environment and if we don't really have a purpose that helps guide us through that. Waiting in the messy middle is all about recognizing when our ego is taking over. Our ego is that filter on reality that has us wanting to please and perform and perfect and self-protect. And instead, we got to turn to curiosity and go, does that story I'm telling myself even make sense? Is that serving me well? How could I check that out? We start to move into great self-reflection and challenging our judgments and turning to curiosity. It helps us disable that armor. It helps us in the arena. Which brings us to rehumanizing principle number four, show up as a leader. We've already established that leadership is a behavior, not a title or a role. And all of the things we're talking about today help you show up as a leader. And one of the things to be aware of is that when we choose to enter the arena, when we choose to lean in and have a positive impact in this VUCA world, we are choosing to fall. We will fall. We are signing up to fail and fall over and over and over again. Effective, daring leaders know this and they build the ability to reset and get back up. And I love this quote from Joseph Campbell, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. We know that growth does not happen inside of our comfort zone. And so we lean into that because we know there's opportunity to make a positive impact and to be a better version of ourselves. And when we fall, resetting is so, so key. I learned such a valuable lesson in the fall of 2019 about resetting from none other than my then nine-year-old son. I think that our kids can teach us so much about life and leadership if we listen to them. I was in armored mode for a lot of 2019, right? Autopilot, I didn't even realize I was in it, which means that I was overcommitting, working too many hours, hyperproductive mode. 
And I was sitting in my office like I am right now, and it was on a weekend night, and my son Peyton blurted out, had an emotional meltdown, mom, you never want to spend time with me. All you want to do is work. Talk about a knife to the heart. I stopped what I was doing. I had this immediate like shame spiral and I thought, what the hell am I doing and what am I teaching my son? And so I went down and sat with him and listened to him and I didn't make excuses. I didn't defend. I just listened and I owned it. And then we pulled out Brene Brown's wholehearted parenting manifesto. We set some ground rules and we hit a huge reset for our relationship and what work does or doesn't look like. And I forewarned him. I said, I'm going to screw up. There's going to be times I can't do this or I'm going to have to renegotiate. But how I show up and how I treat myself when I mess up and how I reset teaches him a lot. And so we have this conversation about, you know what, let's hit the reset button. Things haven't been going well, let's reset. And it's just a great opportunity to say, yep, we can get back up and we're not going to judge ourselves or others. And so here he is, huge, huge teacher for me. And I think if we listen to our kids, whether you have kids or not, they can teach us so much about what it means to show up as a leader. And that brings us to the final rehumanizing principle, find your tribe. I want to be really clear that this is not about finding people who are like you and clinging to them because it feels comfortable. If we went back to the origins of the word tribe, the reason we picked this is because it's about people who have your back. And when we talk about tribal mentality, it's kind of been taken, not necessarily out of context, but it's how it's been operationalized. But when we think about tribe, this is really about building community, diversifying your relationships, using an outward mindset to lean in and get to know people who are fundamentally different from you. And that in a workplace, culture is not the responsibility of the CEO or the human resources professional. It is everybody's responsibility. And so we start to build relationships and look at what's possible and we build and grow momentum from there. And one of the things as we do that, that is so important that we can all do right now is to let other people know that they matter, particularly in the workplace, by remedying these three aspects of job misery. The first is anonymity. We want to be known and seen as human beings. How many people in your life, whether you work with them, whether you're a people leader and they're within your span of care, they're a team member, they're a neighbor, they're a friend, there's things you don't know about them. Do you really know how they're doing right now? Do you know what kind of struggles they have? Do you know what their favorite movie is? Do you know silly things about them? Look at the people around you and make a list of the things that you actually don't know or don't know for certain about them. And over the next two weeks, get curious and ask them. They will appreciate that you are taking an interest in who they are. We want to know that we matter as a human being to somebody and that they care enough to get to know us. The other is irrelevance. We also want to know that the work we do matter, that lighthouse principle, that there's purpose and meaning to it. So often in organizations, we think, well, people should know that what they do matters. But we have to explicitly connect the dots and help them see that what you do on a day-in, day-out basis matters. And here's how. We acknowledge people. We show appreciation so that they see that they made a huge difference. This is a simple example, but we have wonderful people who clean our house. And I think sometimes that could be a thankless job. And I try to let them know that, you know what, this isn't just, oh, thank you, you clean my house, but you actually free up time for me so that I can spend quality time with my family and other things. And it's a gift of time that you give me. They know their work matters. And finally, a measurement. On a day in, day out basis, do you have a way of knowing if 
you've been effective. If you're in customer service, did you make someone smile or did you de-escalate a situation? Or if you're a parent, did you have a moment of connection with your kid? Or if it's a child, right? How did they know they made a difference? So can we help people create metrics that on a day in day out basis, they can know if they've made a positive impact or if they need to course correct. And so as we wrap up, we know that VUCA isn't going away anytime soon. We know that our world is disruptive. We know there are so many things outside of our control. What we can control is ourself. And we can change ourselves by waiting in the messy middle, getting clear about our lighthouse, not going alone, but being in connection with other people. And we can make a positive difference. And so this is such an opportunity for us all to show up as leaders. And I would say that if we're gonna change this world for the better, we need a village of kick-ass leaders. And I hope that you're joining me with this and we can do such great things together. And I hope you got some good use out of this. And I look forward to connecting at some point in the future. Thank you and take care. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really grateful you guys listen and download. We're trying to make this season even better with brand stories and cool interviews with uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and things from behind the scenes that we just can't find anywhere else. We're trying to make this something we ourselves enjoy listening to. Do us a favor, please leave us a review. When you go into Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, just shoot us a review. That really matters and it helps us keep this going. Again, thanks for listening. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.